Last weekend saw our nation's best and brightest heading to Edmonton to meet up and do battle, with national titles on the line. Some races were blazing fast, some a little more grinding and tactical, but all of them turned out to be entertaining, filled with athletes who were hungry to prove that they belonged in the national discussion after a particularly prosperous spring. On this week's episode, we chat with two athletes who really stood out during the national championship meet and will definitely be ones to watch come Pan Ams and Worlds. Matthew Hughes, the Canadian steeplechase record holder and recrowned national champion, joins us to chat training, Jagger, and the hometown advantage, and Nicole C. Fuentes, who wowed us all with an impressive 15-5 and double championship, also joins us to talk worlds and a season full of surprises. Don't go anywhere, you're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. This is The Terminal Mile, available worldwide via tracky.ca, iTunes, Stitcher, and TunedIn, and on Twitter, at The Terminal Mile. This past weekend saw some pretty crazy races go down in Edmonton during the Canadian Championships, but if we're to take a second to tally up all the winners and losers, one name really comes to the front. Nicole C. Fuentes took home an impressive 1500 and 5000 championship double, qualifying her for Beijing in the 5000 in the process. Nicole will be competing at the Pan Am Games in Toronto as well, and she joins us via Skype right now. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on those two national titles last weekend. Uh, the 5,000 was before the 1,500. So with that in mind, you know, what kind of tactics were you employing in the five so that you'd still be fresh for the 1,500? Um, the 5,000, yeah, I was um, hoping that it would go the way that it did, a slower off the front, more of a tactical race. Um, it certainly was changed a little bit when um, Jess O'Connell wasn't able to do it. Unfortunately, she had a little Achilles thing, I think. But um, I'm sure she'll be back in action for Pan Ams. So without, I mean, obviously she was the strongest one in the field. So um, she didn't line up, and I was happy that it was a bit slower of a pace. Um, allowed me to run comfortably for most of the way. And I, um, I was happy that I could just conserve a lot of energy and not take up, not take too much out of me for the 1500 because the 1500 was my main focus for the weekend and it's my primary event. So I really wanted to be able to run well in the 1500. Well, speaking of that 1500, the, the field was extremely stacked with yourself, Stash Gaulish, uh, Kate Van Buskirk, Sheila Reed, amongst others. Uh, given that, I'm guessing conditions played a pretty major factor in how the race panned out. Uh, as well, there was also Sarah Inglis leading most of the race on her own. Uh, you know, it was truly a bit of a bizarre race. Talk me through the race and, you know, what was going through your mind throughout it. Well, it certainly adds a different dynamic when um, there's a foreigner in the race. I knew Sarah Inglis wasn't Canadian. And so when she went out to the front pretty hard in the wind, it was extremely windy. Um, I wasn't too concerned about covering that move, um, especially because I ended up in the front of the race within a race, um, and I just didn't want I didn't want to strain myself too much leading into the wind. So I was running. I kind of let her go and decided to focus on the race, which was with all the Canadians in that second pack, and I ran just 
a little, just comfortable enough so that I wasn't really hurting myself going into the wind. Um, that said, on the back stretch, we were with the wind and it felt amazing. So I tried to chip away at her lead a bit when we were on the back stretch um, with the wind. And I knew it would come down to a kick. I made a move with about 200 to go and I watched the race afterward. I didn't realize how close um, those two women were right behind me, but I'm happy that I saved a little bit more even for the last hundred and we were just all r running into a wall pretty much, but I was happy that I was able to stay in the lead and no one was able to pass me. You know, that uh, that kind of leads me to my next question. I mean, really, the theme of Edmonton this year seemed to be big kicks. Uh, you showed that you have a pretty good one yourself. I think that's understating it. Uh, you know, has it been a priority for you or is it something that comes naturally? Well, having a kick is definitely a priority. Um, I mean, that's what it, no matter if the race is fast or slow, um, a kick is what it takes to win medals and to win races. Um, it's a very important skill and definitely something that I work on. I wouldn't say that it always has come naturally to me. I do have some natural speed, but if I don't time the race correctly, then I don't always have a very strong last hundred. So, um, yeah, definitely focused on trying to time things right so that I have a strong finish and definitely a priority always. You know, uh, I mentioned a little earlier the uh, the women in the heat, and there's about 10 other ones that I didn't mention as well, uh, that this year have has really seen the Canadian women doing really well on the roads and on the track. You know, what kind of effect has that had on your season, seeing so many great Canadian performances and what seems like an increasingly deep field? I think it's really great. I actually noticed some people really sh starting to shine during the indoor season, Iron Testchuk, I think she ran like a 4.32 or 31 mile. Gabrielle, Gabriella Stafford and Sasha Gallish were really lighting it up. So I knew that come outdoor season, there would be more people in the mix. And while it does certainly put more pressure on me to perform well, um, it's just really exciting to see the depth coming in the, you know, primarily like what I focus on is the middle distance events because that's where I compete. But I certainly obviously have noticed like Tasha Wodok and Lanny getting the 10K standard and um, obviously Tasha got the, the Canadian record. So, I mean, it's just, it's just great to see the good performances. It's exciting. I'm happy that Canadian women are you know, continuing to step up. Um, that being said, my season has been a little bit rocky or a lot rocky. So I've been making a big effort recently to just focus on myself and make sure that I'm ready to go. Um, not worrying about what my competition is doing or what they aren't doing, but just really trying to be within myself and make sure that I'm ready when I step to the line. Well, to touch on that, unfortunately, your season best felt just short of the IAAF qualifier for the 1500. However, it was your 5000 that ended up getting you the ticket to Beijing, though. Given that the 1500 has been your forte, was it always part of the plan to try and qualify for the double? And, you know, will this alter your, your type of training that you've been doing, uh, you know, leading up to the world championships? 
Well, yeah, um, the 1500, I still do consider it my forte, and unfortunately I didn't get the standard in time, um, and I still don't have it right now, but I am happy to go in the 5000 and definitely excited for the opportunity. Um, it was never my plan to try to double. I never considered even that I would go um, to Worlds in the 5000, even after I got the standard. I had full confidence that I was going to be able to make it happen in the 1500, but th like I said, things didn't go to plan, and I'm very fortunate that I had the 5000 meter standard in my back pocket, and now I can go to the World Championships. Um, in terms of training, I'm definitely still focused on the 1500 meters right now because I'm getting ready for Pan Ams, and that's the event that I'll run at Pan Ams. And after that, um, my coach might change th change things up a bit, change the focus a little bit. You mentioned Pan Ams, uh, where you will be going to race the 1500. Uh, what are some of your goals for the Pan Am Games? My big goal for the Pan Ams is to win. I think it's attainable for me. Obviously, it'll it's anything can happen, but I would just I would love to win a gold for Canada in Canada. Well said. You know, I've been following along with your CBC blog for the Pan Am Games and it's provided some really great insight as to who you are as an athlete and you know, also who you are in your personal life as well. You know, how did that come up? And if anyone wants to follow along after the games, do you have a place that people can go to follow along online? Um, yeah, I have been posting, I post, I have two links for two blogs that I wrote for CBC and I have them posted on my personal website, NicoleCFuentes.com. And um, there you can find them under another blog post called CBC Our Athletes. So um, I generally, you know, on my website, post my schedule and my results and some pictures and my own personal blog. But um, the CBC blog, I was given the opportunity because I guess I was selected. So I was informed even before the Pan Am team was announced that I was selected to um, be part of the Our Athletes program, which is, you know, really exciting and great honor and um, got got started with it, got involved with it after I um, officially made the team because that was certainly not a sure thing. So um, once I was officially named on onto the Pan Am Games team, then I started blogging for them. You mentioned it a little bit earlier as far as the training goes, but between Pan Ams and Worlds, what's the plan as far as racing goes uh, to get you ready for Beijing? Well... There's not actually a lot on the calendar in August. Um, not a lot of meets because of, I think because a lot of people will be getting ready for Worlds. So I have nothing scheduled. I'm planning to probably just train through after Pan Ams and get ready for Beijing. And then maybe possibly if there's some opportunities to continue racing after the World Championships. Last year at World Indoors, you uh, won the bronze in the 15. Uh, before that, the silver at the Continental Cup. Now you have a few more Canadian championships under your belt. You have an Olympic appearance. If you had to pick, what would the biggest highlight of your career thus far be? That's not, that's not a hard question for me to answer. Without a doubt, it was going to the Olympics. And specifically... 
walking out into the stadium, the packed stadium, and just knowing that my husband, my coach, my parents, and my two sisters were in that stadium and they could see me. And I don't, I didn't know where they were sitting, but when I walked out into that full stadium and I knew that they were all there and they could see me, that's definitely, definitely the highlight of my career. Uh, it, it's making me tear up right now just thinking about it. Oh. Well, one last question for you. You went to Michigan for university, uh, which is where you are right now. As I'm sure you're aware, it's a school that has played a big part in developing some amazing Canadian middle distance runners like yourself, uh, Kevin Sullivan and Nate Brennan. What is it that makes the, the Michigan program so successful? I think something that's really special about Michigan is um, you're, I went, from the moment I arrived there and still now to this day, I'm surrounded by people who are just really achieving greatness. Um, still training at, on campus is Tiffany O'Feely. She's a multiple world medalist. Her younger sister is up and coming right now and just made the world team in the hurdles. Jeff Porter, an Olympian. Gina Gall, an Olympian. Within like my class, my age, one year younger, one year older, people that I see every day. And um, obviously Kevin Sullivan, Nate Brannon, Nick Willis. I mean, I think I'm forgetting people. But... These are people that I have seen day in and day out working at practice for the past, I don't know, 10 years. And so there's definitely an atmosphere of striving for excellence. And when I see my peers doing well, that makes me believe that I can too. I just see that they are regular people who are working hard and making it happen. And I think that's that's what is one of the big things that makes this such a successful program. Obviously, on top of that, like you can't have any of that without the great coaching. My coach is unbelievable, and I'm just blessed that I found him and ended up at Michigan. But um, it's definitely there. There's so many people around who are excelling and it makes me believe that I can too and I think it makes others believe that they can too and that's what makes this such a successful place to be well we'll all be cheering for you uh come Pan Ams as well as Worlds this year thanks a lot for joining us Nicole thanks for having me you're listening to the Terminal Mile you can find us via iTunes Stitcher TuneIn and Tracky.ca you can also follow us on Twitter at the Terminal Mile my guest right now in my opinion is one of Canada's most underrated runners out there he currently holds the Canadian record in the 3000 meter steeplechase he's run the best Canadian 5000 meter time this year and he's just 25 years old gearing up for the Pan Am Games happening close to his hometown of Oshawa he is Matt Hughes, multiple-time Canadian champion and former NCAA champion. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. With some uh, high-profile athletes opting out of the Pan Ams to focus on worlds or to run in high-profile European meets, and you being from around the GTA area, how important was it for you to run in the Pan Am Games this summer in front of a hometown crowd? Uh, yeah, I talked to with my coach a little bit. Um, 
uh, in the fall, you know, we like to sit down and kind of plan out tentatively what the, the next season is going to look like. And obviously we knew the Pan Am games were going to be in Toronto, uh, more specifically in July. And we knew that, you know, there's probably two or three very good, um, European races that I'd be giving up if I chose to run Pan Ams. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was almost a no brainer for me. Um, I think being from Oshawa, um, and having my family and friends attend the games and attend my race was uh, pretty important to me. And I think it'll be special having them there supporting me because I don't think oftentimes, uh, you know, parents of athletes get to see their, their sons or daughters run on that type of stage. So I think it'll be something special, especially for uh, my grandparents who really have never seen me race that much before. And I think it's something special that... Uh, you know, they'll actually be able to like put into context what I actually do. And, you know, they've seen YouTube videos on my races, but to be there in person, I think that's uh, something I'm looking forward to sharing with them. And I think it's something that uh, hopefully will be uh, very special to them. Taking a look at the uh, world rankings right now, including yourself, there are three Canadians in the top 45 for the steeplechase for men and three also for the women, which in my opinion is is pretty good. You know, what's your opinion on the current competition in steeple in Canada and how could it ma- be made even better? Yeah, I think it's great. You know, not only the steeple specifically, I think a lot of the events um, in, you know, you look across the board and not just just running, I think. Um, in sprinting uh, with Degrassi running under 10 seconds and then you have Barber doing well in the pole vault and uh, Cristobal just jumping out of her mind in the in the long jump and then you've, you've got Derek in the high jump but uh, yeah it's great to just see Canadian athletics as a whole just you know you know, shining on the international level. It's great to kind of, you go to these Diamond League races and, you know, I always, uh, I always try to room with Derek, which is nice. Um, just kind of brings a comfort level to me, uh, just being around someone I know and then, you know, seeing these other Canadian athletes competing at that level. But, you know, bringing it back to the steeplechase and distance running, I think, you know, it's good for me to show up to a national championships and feel like, I have to be at my best to um, to compete and, and finish in the top three to secure a spot for a world championships or, you know, an Olympics or, or a Pan Am Games like this year. Um, you know, Taylor is uh, new to the event, but he's quickly learning and, you know, he's always going to be a competitor and um, I have a huge amount of respect for him. And also you look at uh, Janae and, uh, and Winner and, you know, they're always going to bring their best and, I think it's uh, a lot of we're just kind of pushing each other and uh, you know I'm sure they look at my time as you know being quite a bit ahead of theirs but I'm, I'm sure that gives them a great deal of motivation to you know go and train every day and try to compete with me and then you know on the women's side you know I get to see it firsthand with uh, Jessica being in the group um, and it's unfortunate that uh, she uh, she developed a stress fracture after uh, uh, Peyton Jordan this year, so um, I'm sure she would have brought down a Canadian record by you know, at least five or ten seconds. Um, so, you know, I think her and Wynn spoke and decided to shut down the season. And uh, good thing for her, she's got her, her uh, Olympic mark out of the way, so uh, she can just kind of focus on building back up through the fall and getting ready for uh, next year. You uh, mentioned him, but you train with uh, Win Gmitrowski's group, a collection of hugely, hugely talented uh, athletes who have been tearing it up on the track in Canada. 
what is it that makes Wynn's group so successful? Um, I think it's just his uh, attention to detail. Um, you know, he has uh, he's um, a physical therapist. That's his major background. And um, not only that, but uh, he's been in the coaching world for a long time. And, um, you know, I... I more or less made a, a leap of faith when I, I joined Win, and it's not really like I had a ton of other options. Um, you know, I was coming off a poor 2012. Um, I was injured a lot through January, February, March, and I was finishing off my degree at Louisville. Um, and uh, Win had been the head distance coach of the 2011 team that was in Daegu that I was on. Um, and, you know, I got to know Win on that trip. Um, so I reached out to him in the fall of 2012 and, you know, I wasn't carded at then and I was kind of, you know, looking at just packing in and not running anymore and, you know, getting a full-time job or something like that. And, you know, I talked to Wynn and I said, you know, you know, these are my options, uh, which weren't a lot at the time. And, you know, he kind of, uh, extended his arm to me and just said, you know, we have a, a small group out here that trains in, uh, Phoenix. And he was able to dig up a little bit of money through his, uh, his hub center out there in Victoria. And he was able to fly me down and give me a little bit of per diem. And I was able to kind of make ends meet for the first couple of months that I was in the group. And I ended up hitting an A standard and, uh, it all kind of went from there in, uh, in 2013. And, uh, you know, I owe a lot to win and, uh, um, the training group is great, and I think I'll go back to at the beginning. I think it's just his attention to detail and knowing uh, athletes and everyone that's in the group. You know, we we do workouts together, but a lot of it is you know him looking at the larger picture and uh, everyone having kind of specific goals and minds and checkpoints throughout the year that you need to hit. And uh, you know, there's no rushing with win. I'm, I feel like uh, his big thing is that you know he wants you to have a, a big long training block before you race there's no kind of this like racing to get in shape um i know with a win that i'll always be prepared when i tow the line and uh i have a great deal of confidence in him and his approach to my training you know it's a it's a much debated topic and uh sticking with wins group i i want to settle this one for once and for all uh, who is the better mario kart player you or nate brennan <laughs> well I more or less just stirred that up when uh, you inter- you interviewed Nate there, and I think it was January, or February. But uh, we haven't played in a while. But um, I'll let everyone know that it would be like Mike Tyson fighting a baby. Um, <laughs> I would smash Nate, so <laughs> you know he would sneak the odd win on me. But for the most part, yeah, I, I'd, I'd kill him most times. You know, at this time of the year, uh, heading into Pan Am's, what does a week of training look like for you? Um, right now it's more about, um, uh, you know, just feeling good on my runs, taking it easy, make sure I'm recovering, um, from workout to workout. Um, you know, I won't really, you know, most of the year I'm pretty like OCD with my mileage. Uh, and usually I plan out my week and, you know, how long I'm going to go for each run, obviously depending on how I feel, you know, if I feel and I have a 10 mile run written down you know I don't I don't feel like I have to hit it but you know most times throughout the year I'm pretty OCD and I like to hit the mileage that I have set out for myself but uh, at this point of the season it's more about just feeling good and recovering so um, you know this week it'll be just two workouts it'll be a Tuesday Friday 
um, workout schedule. And then, you know, Wednesday and Saturday, we'll just kind of, I do like a weight, uh, a light weight routine. And then the days in between are just uh, recovery days. And then I'll do a light uh, Sunday long run, um, but nothing too crazy. Running is often described as being as much mental as it is physical. Uh, given the extra obstacles involved in steeple, I can only imagine it's an even more psychologically demanding race. H- how do you prepare yourself mentally for your races? Um, I wouldn't say I go like over the top mentally, like preparing for races. Like I don't kind of sit down and map out a race, like you know how how I'm gonna win, where I'm gonna go, you know, um, what splits I need to hit, kind of thing. Um, you know looking back at this weekend at the national championship the way me and win approached it was you know i felt like going into that race there was probably four or five different ways i could win that race you know if it goes out fast i knew that i was fit enough and had the strength to hang on if it was a sit and kick um i was confident in my ability to kick with anyone in that race um, or if it was something where, you know, one of the guys made a move at a K to go or 1200 to go or wh- wherever, I was confident that, you know, either it could have happened a dozen ways. I was confident that I was, uh, I could win. So I try to go into races like that, trying to, I think of uh, a couple of different scenarios, the way I could see the race playing out. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, going back to kind of win, um, I feel like, uh, I'm very confident in my training. So, uh, when I'm on the start line, um, you know, I'm just, I'm confident in my ability and I'm confident that I've put in the work to, um, to win or run well under a lot of different scenarios. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, Evan Jagger's eight minutes, 0.45 from last weekend, you know, even with a stumble on that last barrier, Perhaps side in with that last question, does a fall like that stick with the runner uh, going into future races? And realistically, how soon will we see that American record go sub eight? Um, yeah, I mean, that was just amazing uh, race. I was actually watching it in the hotel room in Edmonton. Um, and, you know, I feel like a lot of people were, were surprised that he had ran that quick. But honestly, after seeing him run 332 in Portland uh, a few weeks back, um, it was just a matter of time until he he breaks eight minutes, and I really thought he was going to do that race, and he was probably on for a time of like 7.55 or 7.56, in my opinion. Um, and what he's doing is amazing right now. I feel like um, you only get a few opportunities um, in your athletic career to be at that type of level right now. And I think he's kind of in this zone right now where, um, you know, only f- there's only a few people that can beat him. And with his strength over 5k and his speed over 1500 he's going to be a tough guy to beat at the world championships and uh you know go going back to the the question does that type of stuff stick with you with a fall you know only if it lets you you know if you're one of those people that are kind of uh weak mentally and you fall in a race and it's something that you can't get over um it's definitely going to affect you but i think someone like him that's um so strong mentally it's only going to motivate him and that that's what scares me a little bit if uh, if he didn't have motivation going into the world championships he certainly has it now um and he'll be out for revenge um so he'll be a, a pretty scary guy at the world championships and uh, you know i think seeing him run that type of time only gives me motivation because i know um i'm ready for a breakthrough you know i haven't pb in the steeple since 2013 and i feel like there's some people you know asking questions out there you know he's 
am I on a decline or anything like that? And it's something I've never really thought of because in my opinion and in Wynn's approach to training, it's more about competing and being ready for the major races. And, um, you know, when a fast time comes, that's great. And that's kind of the icing on the cake. But um, my and Wynn's main goals are to compete and finish as high at major championships as possible. Um, And when you compete and you finish high at these games, you know, fast times will just come. So, you know, um, seeing Evan run those times just gives me motivation and I'm not going to lie. He runs those times and, you know, just, you know, I get down and do some, some crunches and some push-ups and get out there for a run and it serves as motivation for me. So I'm looking forward to the summer. Oh, for sure. Peyton, yeah, going back to the spring, Peyton Jordan was a huge meet for a ton of Canadians, uh, including yourself where you went through 13, 19, 56 in the 5,000, uh, the best time in Canada this year, and just five seconds off of uh, Jeff Schiebler's record. Talk to me a bit about that race. You know, what were you hoping to achieve in it, and uh, what are your plans for that distance in the future? Yeah, coming into the season, like I said before, me and Wynn kind of uh, have like a tentative schedule of races, uh, you know, where we're going to train, where we're going to be, but what races kind of set up well with where I'm going to train and where we're going to be at um, at any given time of the season. Um, so for me, I think it just sets up well to do a 5K at the beginning of the year because um, when we're down in Scottsdale and Flagstaff, we're doing so much strength work. And at that point of the season, early season, you know, January to March, April, May, I'm training more like a 5K runner than I am a steeple runner. You know, a lot of our workouts are, uh, are 10K or 15 K, uh, 15 or uh, 1500 type of uh, workouts so um, it only makes sense to run a, f- a 5k at the beginning of the year and just see what type of fitness we're in and you know that's that serves as an indicator to win on you know where we need to go in training after that point so coming into Peyton um, I had done some some great workouts and some indicator workouts that you know um you know, I kind of, I make these goals for my race coming into a, uh, uh, goals for myself going into a race and going into that race, you know, my A plus goal was, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we have great conditions, great pacing, and I feel amazing, I, I didn't really think the Canadian record was out of shot. I thought we could definitely hit it. And, um, you know, my agent at the time, uh, my agent was saying, you know, the pace was supposed to be 753 to 755. And, you know, that, that was perfect for what I was trying to run. Um, and then, you know, my, my A goal was, you know, break, break 1315. And then, you know, my B goal was, you know, just get under 1320 or PB. Um, and so going into the race, um, we were a little slow through 3K. I think we only went through in 759. Um, and then we kind of uh, ran a couple slow, slow laps. So I think we were 65, 66 for the next two laps after that. And that's when the fast time kind of went out the window. Um, and then it turned into more of a race. And, you know, I, I'm not going to make any excuses. You know, if I wanted to keep running a fast time, I probably should have took the pace at that point and pushed on. But um, I really didn't think the Canadian record was out of out of reach um, with the type of work that I'd done and the fitness that I thought I was in. But, you know, the way I look at it, it's only a matter of time until Cam or Mo breaks those records because they run the event a lot more than me. Um, so I, I saw that as my opportunity to kind of sneak in and grab the record while it's still at, um, 
at that 13-13 mark. Um, but for me, uh, being a steeplechaser, you know, I've tried to focus on a lot of that um, after June. So I don't see myself running too many 5Ks in the future, you know, other than Peyton Jordan. There just isn't really an opportunity to get in a good 5K um, because anytime there's a good 5K, there's also a good 50, or a good steeple. So, you know, I have to take one over the other. So, you know, if I ever get down to that sub 1310, you know, maybe an end of the year 5K at like Brussels or something like that would be a good opportunity. But for me, my main focus is the steeple and it'll kind of remain that way throughout the rest of my career, most likely. Uh, you got to, to race in that Oregon Diamond League meet this year. A lot of athletes swear that Hayward Field has the best atmosphere of anywhere, even describing it as uh, as magic. It doesn't live up to the hype. And, uh, you know, what uh, what is your favorite stadium to perform in? Yeah, Hayward's uh, a pretty special place with all the history um, there. Um, I ran there for the first time in 2010 at the NCAA Championships, and I actually won. So um, I've only raced there three times, the the prelims, the final of NCAAs, and now, and then pre this year. And actually going into pre, I was joking with Nate, um, and I, I was actually undefeated going into <laughs> going into that race. I was undefeated on that track, which, you know, obviously I knew going into that race it was going to be probably hard to, hard to keep that winning streak alive. But, you know, that's something that I, I kind of told myself to get myself a little bit of motivation but uh, yeah it's a pretty special place and you know the fans are just really knowledgeable um at Haywood and it is a special track with all the with all the history behind uh Prefontaine there and you know I, I I love the opportunity to race there so any chance I do get an opportunity I always take it um but um in terms of my favorite place to race I'd say uh Monaco is probably my favorite track to run on it's just um it just seems like it's just such a such a an amazing atmosphere that you kind of you fly into this this little um little airport and then you you drive through the mountains and you come into monaco and monte carlo and there's you kind of like enriches and the hotel is there and right on the f1 track and stuff like that so it's pretty amazing and there's been a, a lot of amazing performances there but you know any any track on the diamond league diamond league circuit is just amazing you know i i ran in zurich in 2013 and um, the fans there are, are, are just packed, and uh, and stock Stockholm as well was pretty crazy. So you know, you you take any of the Diamond League stops, and they're all amazing places to race. Uh, on the topic of environments, worlds go worlds go down next month in Beijing, which is kind of infamous for its awful air quality. How do you prepare for that, and uh, do you think it'll have a lot of effect on the competition? Um, you know, hopefully not, because you know it'd be unfortunate that something like air quality affects um, the races just because, you know, we, we put a lot of training and, you know, the athletes try to do everything right and prepare to be at their best um, at the game. So, you know, it would be unfortunate if something like air quality uh, hindered results. But um, uh, me and Wynn have spoken a little bit about it. And luckily, Canada is going to have a pre-training camp in um, Korea. So, um our plan is to fly from Flagstaff, where I'll be training after Pan Ams, um, to Korea, and we'll stay in Korea for as long as possible. So I think the plan would be only to be in Beijing for a day or two before my race, 
And if air quality, if we're hearing that air quality is an issue, then we're going to maybe look into getting, you know, maybe a breathing mask or something like that just for for warm up. But I've never been affected by allergies or poor air quality or anything like that. So I'm hoping that it just, you know, if it's something that I just don't think about and, um, you know, it could be just a little bit of a placebo thing if people are thinking about it, you know, they affects them in different ways. So, you know, I'll just go about my training the way that I have all year and uh, hopefully I'll just be at my best and it's just something I won't affect me or I won't think about. Finally, uh, a little known fact, and this is not recorded on the Athletics Canada website, uh, is that you currently hold the Canadian record for number of different hairstyles worn by a male middle distance runner. <laughs> How important is the barber in your life? Um, not very important, to be honest. Um, I uh, got a haircut while I was in uh, Victoria, actually. If anyone was uh, following my hairstyle before, then I had a pretty uh, pretty long flow. Um, it was just getting to be a little much, and I actually lost a bet. I bet Nate last year, or actually it was in the fall, I bet him that if I grew my hair till the Olympics, um, he had to give me 100 bucks. But if I cut it, I had to give him 50. So I cut it in Victoria and gave him 50 bucks when I landed in Edmonton. Uh, but I, yeah, I cut my hair in Victoria. And that's probably the first time I've paid for a haircut in probably five or six years. Since I joined the group, uh, Nate's been the one that actually cuts my hair. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the barber is too important, but I would say uh, my hair to me, I guess, is I like to switch it up a bunch of different ways. Actually, in college, I had a mullet uh, one year, I think in 2010, and in 2011, I, I had a rat tail. Um, so, you know, I think for me, I look at it as, you know, I try not to take myself too seriously. And, you know, if I can have a little fun with a, with a funny or funky hairstyle, then... Um, you know, I'll do it just to have a little bit of fun. And um, my mom certainly doesn't like it. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I have a, when there's a picture in the newspaper, a picture online, and it's me with some dirty mustache or a mullet or something like that, she uh, she doesn't like that too much. So right now I'm kind of clean cut, and I'll probably keep it that way for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, come the fall, I'll probably get bored of it and probably shave it all off or maybe just keep growing it again. So I don't know. It's something I, I don't really think about a ton, but, you know, when the opportunity presents itself to do something funky, I usually opt for that. Matt Hughes, he will be uh, he will be performing at the Pan Am Games, uh, hoping to put down a fast 3,000 meter steeple time. Then he'll be in Beijing uh, next month where he will be taking on the World Championships. Thanks a lot for being on the show today, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Thanks to our guests, Matthew Hughes, as well as Nicole Cifuentes, track you for their ongoing support and for you for listening. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, as well as tracky.ca. You can also find us on Twitter, at the Terminal Mile. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Yeah.